Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, living in England, which is so close to the continent, uh, when we when I was um, when we were younger, um, we would spend one holiday, one summer holiday uh, abroad, and the alternating year we would go somewhere on holiday in the UK. And um, invariably, we were going to the seaside. And so there was always this mounting expectation of seeing the sea. And we used to have a competition in the car as to who was going to see the sea first. And funnily enough, I got back into the swing of those things last year when the children were with us on holiday in Devon. And I yelled out in the car, I saw it first. And both of the children are looking at me like, uh, yes, okay. But um, it was just mounting excitement. I loved to look at maps um, because the maps showed the way to the place we were going. I was fascinated with maps. And so as I'd read through the map and I became the navigator in the car, I'd read the map and then look up and there was a signpost and you knew you were getting closer and closer to this amazing destination, this new place that you'd never been to before. Well, in our epistle and our gospel readings, we're looking at signposts to the new country, to the new country that Jesus has, been, has brought in. We're looking at temple, priest, and sacrifice. The Old Testament temple, priesthood, and sacrifices were merely signposts to a true reality, to a new place, to a new country. The temple originating in the tabernacle in the wilderness wanderings was that place where Israel believed God was in their midst. And so the first temple was built by Solomon. It was destroyed. The second temple was built when they came back out of um, slavery, out of uh, Babylon, out of captivity in Babylon. And then Herod went through this huge building program, not to the glory of God, but to his own glory. And this is the temple that the disciples are looking at as they leave the Temple Mount. And they turn to Jesus and say, isn't it amazing? Look how huge, look how substantial, look how wonderfully imposing it is, how solid it is. And what does Jesus say? Do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Because the building is only a signpost. Jesus is the true temple. Jesus is the place where God dwells because Jesus is in fact God incarnate. He tabernacled amongst us, says John. He is enfleshed and lives amongst us. 
So the real temple, what the temple on the mount pointed towards, is actually Jesus himself. And indeed, in 70 AD, that second absolutely glorious, magnificent temple was burnt to the ground by Titus. And it was never rebuilt. In fact, the only thing that remains of that is the Western Wall, part of which in today uh, in the West we call the Wailing Wall. That beautiful building just pointed to the real temple, the real place where God dwells in Jesus Christ. And the next thing we're looking at as a signpost is the priesthood. This is different than the Christian priesthood. It's a sacrificing priesthood, two very different words in the original language. The sacrificing priesthood was set up for the line of Levi and the high priest from the line of Aaron to offer sacrifices on an ongoing basis in the temple on behalf of the people. So the priesthood was a mediatory priesthood. The priests were mediators between a holy God and a sinful nation, but they themselves were sinful. And so before they could offer sacrifices for the nation, they had to offer sacrifices for themselves. But as we read in the letter to the Hebrews, it was never sufficient to take away sin. But it was a signpost to another reality Jesus, says the author of the letter to the Hebrews, is the great high priest, not in the line of Levi, because he's from the line of Judah, David's line, the kingly line. But as we just sung, he is also a priest. But he is the fulfillment of the priesthood that is a mediating priesthood between a holy God and a sinful nation, a sinful creation a sinful humanity. But as the old priests need to offer sacrifices day after day after day, and on one day go through the curtain into the Holy of Holies with the blood of the perfect sacrifice, the perfect animal sacrifice, Jesus is the great high priest. There are no others needed after him because he's not only the sacrificing priest he is the sacrifice the once and for all sacrifice as John the Baptist calls out behold the Lamb of God on Good Friday, when Jesus is sacrificed on the cross, it's the same time as the lambs are being slaughtered as a sacrifice for the Passover meal. And he sits down at the right hand of God, denoting that the work is finished. It's done. It never needs to be redone. There is not an ongoing sacrifice. The sacrifice of the Eucharist, the sacrifice of the Mass, is us entering into that which is an accomplished, finished work. A little bit earlier in uh, the letter to the Hebrews, the author says, how much more will the blood of Christ 
who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. A once and for all sacrifice when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. See the signposts, temple, sacrificing priesthood, and sacrifice are no longer needed. They pointed to a new country, God's country, which has broken in to this world beset by evil and sin, and we are the inheritors of that new country. We've seen the sea. We've entered into that new place. The signposts and the maps have brought us to a new country, to God's new world that has broken in, but not yet completely as it will be when he returns. In the meantime, of course, with that breaking in, there still comes rising opposition from the enemy of our souls, from the great deceiver of the people, from the one who is filled with malice towards us, who infects God's creation with evil intentions and evil, abominable actions, like those that were perpetrated on the innocent people in Paris, in France. See, evil does not want that new country to get any further in to the old country. It doesn't want that new world, God's kingdom, God's way, God's place to expand. And so evil rises up. But, says the author to the Hebrews, and throughout Scripture, we are not to be overcome by fear of the enemy of our souls. We are rather to lean in to the one who has conquered and who will fully conquer all that is sinful and evil in this world. So he says, so then... So then, if this is what Jesus is, if this is what Jesus has brought about, if all of the signposts are true and we're now living, we're now settled into a new country that is making inroads into the old country, that is expanding into it, so then we have boldness to go into the sanctuary, the true heavenly temple where God dwells, through the blood of Jesus. He's inaugurated a brand new living path, says the author to the letter of the Hebrews. Through the curtain, he's making allusion to the curtain between the temple and the holy of holies, that is his earthly body, that is Jesus' earthly body, we now enter through the body of Christ, 
through his blood into the very center of the temple, into the very presence of God himself. We have a high priest who is over God's whole house, the dwelling place of God. So let us therefore come to worship, he says to offer our sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. Remember I had said that there are two different priesthoods. The Christian priesthood comes from the word for elder. The Old Testament priesthood comes from the understanding of a sacrificing priesthood. The only other place that that term is used in the New Testament is of Jesus' high priesthood and our priesthood. The community. Our priesthood as a royal priesthood and our sacrifice is not a blood offering it's a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving so he said let us therefore come to worship with a true heart see when we when we know Jesus when we ask him to come in to bring us into the new country then transformation happens from the inside out. It's nothing that forced against us from the outside, but it's a true heart that gets to transform us into the truly human people we were designed to be and who Jesus was, the truly human person without sin, with a true heart in complete assurance of faith, We can stand on these promises. We can stand on the knowledge of what Jesus has done. The signposts are no more. The reality has come and it is Jesus Christ himself in a complete assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Do not let the enemy snatch your clean conscience away from you. His blood is sufficient. Whatever you have done, whatever has happened, do not live in guilt because it's been taken away by the blood of the Lamb. It's been removed from you. Do not allow the enemy to defeat you with words of guilt and recrimination because you've been made new. Now, if you're like me, sometimes that sin comes back in before you've even got your feet off the floor and the bed in the morning. And certainly if you're traveling I-4, those things come pretty quickly. But it's new every morning. You don't have to live there. We live free of guilt, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It's through baptism that we enter into that new country, that we come to a new place. Therefore, in the face of evil, let us hold on tightly to our confession of hope without being diverted The one who announced the message to us, says the author to the Hebrews, is trustworthy. Archbishop Justin Welby, we just looked at a a DVD, an interview with him and Canon J. John. He said this 
about the terror attacks in France. This is a global and generational struggle against an evil cult that chooses death and fear. We choose life and hope to overcome their hate with the power of God's love in solidarity across all faiths and none and with all human beings rather than in the victimization of any we will find the way to defeat the demonic curse of terrorism Christians are called like Jesus to stand with the suffering and broken and to oppose evil and fear with all their strength to avoid the enemy's grip of terror we must be in communion with one another on a regular basis says this author of the letter to the Hebrews let us as well he says stir up one another's minds to energetic effort in love and good works We mustn't do what some people have got into the habit of doing, he says, neglecting to meet together. Instead, we must encourage one another. And all the more as you see the great day coming closer. Because when we're apart from the body, fear can overcome us. But when we're part of the body, we encourage one another. We look to the hope, the sure foundation of our faith that is in Christ Jesus. So let us indeed encourage each other, remind each other of Christ's victory and our security in him and his ultimate new country. Amen.